Chapter Twenty Five of Life of Dorothea Lynde Dix by Francis Tiffany. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five Still on the Continent. Once away from Italy, which she left early in March, eighteen fifty six, the first traces of Miss Dix on her travel eastward are met in two time-stained letters, the first addressed to Dr. Buttolph in the United States, the second to Mr. William Rathbone in England. Written while her steamer was lying at anchor in the harbor of the island of Corfu, they furnish glimpses of the diligence with which she was pursuing her appointed work. To Dr. H. A. Batoff, quote, You will not be more surprised than I am that I find traveling alone perfectly easy. I get into all the hospitals and all the prisons I have time to see or strength to explore. I take no refusals, and yet I speak neither Italian, German, Greek, or Sclavonic. I have no letter of introduction, and know no persons en route. I found at Trieste a very bad hospital for the insane. Fortunately, a physician attached to the suite of the Archduke Maximilian has promised the intervention of government at Trieste, and assured me that all the institutions of Austria shall be open to my visits if I come to Vienna." To Mr. William Rathbone, quote, Island of Corfu, March twenty seventh, eighteen fifty six. I have just time, since running on shore to see the prisons and hospitals, to report myself briefly to you and Mrs. R. Providence graciously protects me and i am in no respects thus far impeded in my great objects of seeing the prisons and hospitals by rare good fortune i had an introduction to the physician of the archduke maximilian at trieste and made a move for a reform and renewal of the hospitals for the insane in that part of the austrian dominions also had the promise of the entree to all the institutions of the empire if i went to vienna when the boat arrived last night i went on shore as early as i could do anything took a cab and drove to the greek institutions saw all five days later as she sits awaiting the arrival of a steamer at Piraeus the port of athens another glimpse is caught of the traveller and of the way in which she has been spending the intervening time within close sight of athens and still in her letter not the most distant allusion to the acropolis or the parthenon or phidias nor even to the imperative need of raising money for the exhumation of statues which would reveal a new ideal for the glory of the human form. And yet never a soul that breathed more passionately bent on the exhumation, 
from beneath the accumulations of ages of cruelty and neglect of the divine archetypal idea of man as created in the image of god as an illustration of the power of a dominating purpose in the case of one whose mind was naturally so active this absence of any reference to places events and personalities with whose inspiring story she had been familiar from childhood and the bare hope of ever standing on whose soil would under other conditions have intensely excited her is certainly very striking i must work the work that is given me to do and how is my soul straightened until it be accomplished was unquestionably her feeling as it was equally the feeling of john howard like him she stood resolutely on her guard against the intrusion of all side issues however fascinating embarked on a mission of mercy her limited store of strength must be wholly consecrated to that and yet those who in later years listened to her on those rare occasions on which she talked of her travels said that her eyes seemed to have been ever on the alert and to have taken in everything to mrs william rathbone quote, Pyreus, greece april second eighteen fifty six i am waiting for the arrival of the steamer which came around the peloponnesus i came by the isthmus that i might land at ancona and the ionian islands to see the hospitals i reached athens at dark last night left at noon to resume my sea voyage the weather is intensely cold mount parnassus is as white as mount blanc this hour arrives a french steamer with the blessed news of peace footnote the end of the crimean war End footnote. we give devout thanks that the hours of warfare are ended but how long it must be before the wounds which have been inflicted on social and domestic happiness are healed or forgotten i hoped after crossing the isthmus to visit corinth but the captain would not consent to my leaving the protection of the powerful guard of one hundred soldiers which surrounded the transport carriages as the danger was shown to be real i readily gave up my previous wish a fierce band of robbers attacked the carriage twenty days since and succeeded in getting all the luggage and money of which a large sum was being conveyed for paying the soldiers at athens so in each carriage sat an armed soldier while at the side in close file rode a bodyguard who looked quite able to protect a much more valuable company by way of adding interest to the scene Videttes were galloping hither and thither, and hidden in the bushes at intervals were parties of soldiers. And yet these precautions are declared to be necessary for ordinary security. 
I have no idea how long I shall be in Constantinople, but everywhere I hear the most sad accounts of the insane there, on all the islands, and in Asia Minor. I see if I can only secure something for Constantinople, it is all I ought to attempt, and of that I am not sanguine at all. I feel that Miss Nightingale will have a great work still in the East. God bless her efforts. By April 10th, Miss Dix had reached Constantinople, and in a letter of that date gives her first impressions on landing. To Mrs. William Rathbone, quote, Constantinople, April 10th, 1856. I made most of the landings en route. At Smyrna, I found a good English hospital for sailors, and also one for the Dutch and Greeks. I found my way to these by noticing the flagstaffs before landing, and on the way visited several Greek and Armenian churches and the chief mosque. The officers on the steamship were civil. My only associates were two physicians, one an Italian belonging to the ship, the other an Austrian from Vienna, highly educated, and of the most benevolent disposition. He was on his way to Jerusalem to execute the will of a lady in Vienna who had given 50,000 florins to establish a school for poor children in the holy city. Taking a boat, I was rowed to a landing at Pera, or rather Galata, and toiled over or through streets that seemed only opened to serve as public drains. After breakfast, I stepped into a caique with two rowers, speaking the words hospital, scutari, and in half an hour landed at the wharf of Upper Scutari. I paid and discharged the boatman, and inquiring of an English sailor the way to the nurse's quarter, proceeded thither. Miss Nightingale was absent, having been a month at Balaklava, where there was much sickness of the English and French troops. I went over the chief hospital, which was in excellent order, and chiefly filled with convalescents. There was another large establishment, but I could not walk to and over it, for by this time my feet had become too painful to allow of further exercise. I shall proceed to see the hospitals for the insane as soon as possible. Meanwhile, I do not allow my hopes to rise. I see the first difficulty is the want of persons to execute the trusts of an institution but time must show as it was with sad forebodings of finding in constantinople a state of unexampled neglect and misery in the condition of the insane that miss dix had journeyed there it is cheering in her next letter to read how happily in some instances at least she was on personal inspection undeceived. The visit occurred shortly after the close of the Crimean War. 
It had been her ardent desire to come into intimate relations with Miss Florence Nightingale, then completing her work of mercy in the East. But neither in Constantinople nor later, on the return to England, was it granted to those two kindred spirits to see one another face to face. To Mrs. William Rathbone, quote, Constantinople, April twenty ninth, eighteen fifty six. I was greatly surprised and much gratified to find in Constantinople a very well directed hospital for the insane in the Turkish quarter, and I failed to discover in either Stamboul or its suburbs any examples of abuse and barbarous usage of this class. So I proceeded to the Greek and Armenian Christian hospitals, in which, I regret to say, I found very mistaken supervision of all the patients, chains, neglect, and absence of all curative treatment. I think the means I took for the remedy of these abuses will avail to correct them generally in the vicinity of the Turkish capital but in the provinces I apprehend that great evils will long exist. The insane of Constantinople are in a far better condition than those of Rome or Trieste, and in some respects better cared for than in Turin, Milan, or Ancona. All the patients were Turks, 52 men, 20 women, 18 servants and attendants three physicians one resident director and night watchman the hospital was founded by solomon the magnificent and the provisions for the comfort and pleasure of the patients including music quite astonished me the superintendent proposes improvements i had substantially little to suggest and nothing to urge d l d all that remains in Miss Dix's handwriting in the way of narrative of her visit to Constantinople has now been given. It is a satisfaction, however, to be able to supplement her own too meager account with the personal recollections of this now faraway time, embraced in a letter to her biographer from Dr. Cyrus Hamlin, D.D., LLD, then president of Robert College, Constantinople. Quote, Lexington, Massachusetts, August 7th, 1889. I regret to say that I have found nothing of my valued correspondence with Miss Dix in 1856 and at other times. I can therefore only give you my impressions of her and her work. She remained a part of the time a welcome guest in my house during her visit to Constantinople in 1856. My residence was too far from the great city to make it always convenient, but she came and went at pleasure. She had two objects in view, the hospitals and prisons. To these she seemed wholly devoted, 
although her conversation and her interest embraced a vast variety of subjects. She had traveled extensively, knew very well the official world and its peculiarities, and was acquainted with men and things. She often entertained us with the peculiarities of certain officials with whom her work led her to have intercourse. The most annoying to her were the indifferent. The least annoying were the gruff. She could generally come round that, but the excessively polite she had learned to fear. Her criticisms were always in a kindly spirit, and she clearly saw the humorous as well as the sorrowful in human life. She visited, I think, all the prisons and hospitals of the great city. These are very numerous, as every nationality, the Armenians, Greeks, Catholic Armenians, and Turks, has its own. I obtained admission for her to the great Greek hospital of Balakli, under very favorable circumstances. She was treated very politely. Also in the great Armenian hospital. In both these she found departments for the insane, with the management of which she was not pleased. The English prison called forth the severest criticism. Dr. Hayland, who had the medical care, was not pleased with her intrusion. She thought to find it the best, and she pronounced it the worst. I think with the exception of the Turkish penal prison, the Bagnio, she gained access to all the institutions she wished to visit. The Turkish debtor's prison she found nauseous for filth and want of ventilation. But her great surprise was the Turkish insane hospital. The treatment of the Turkish insane was once one of the horrors of Constantinople. Travelers generally tried their rhetoric upon it without any aid but their imaginations. Miss Dix had read these high-wrought descriptions of expelling the devils of insanity by alternate tortures and generous treatment, and was prepared for anything. She found instead order, cleanliness, light, ventilation, clothing, diet, which left nothing to be desired. Employments also and diversions were equally admirable. She came home at night joyful. She said, I have found one institution in Constantinople the very best, where I thought to find the very worst. The explanation is this. A young Turk of wealth and station was educated at Paris. While there, he became interested in the famous French hospital for the insane. He studied the system. He was admitted into every part of the great establishment and was kindly aided to prepare himself for what he felt to be his mission, to establish the like for his own people. This is the only instance I have known of a young Turk's preparing himself for usefulness by a Parisian education. 
In every case, she addressed a communication to the heads and managers of the institutions, pointing out what seemed to her desirable changes, and giving them reports and pamphlets containing much useful information for their consideration. Miss Dix made the impression at Constantinople of a person of culture, judgment, self-possession, absolute fearlessness in the path of duty, and yet a woman of refinement and true Christian philanthropy. I remember her with the profoundest respect and admiration, and regret that all my correspondence with her is lost. She was equally worthy with Elizabeth Fry to be called the female Howard. Very sincerely yours, Cyrus Hamlin. On leaving Constantinople, Miss Dix took passage up the Danube to Pest and Vienna. It is while the steamer Franz Joseph is making a landing in Asora, Hungary that she writes the following letter to her friend Miss Heath. Quote, Asora, Hungary, May ninth, eighteen fifty six. My dear Annie, look on your map of Europe, and you may trace my route from Venice, whence I last wrote, to Trieste, Ancona, Molfetta, Brindisi, Corfu, Cephalonia, Zante, Patras, Missolonghi, Mycenae, Corinth, Piraeus, Athens, Syra, Teos, Sangras, Mytilene, Gallipoli, Marmona, Constantinople, Bosphorus, Varna, Saluna, Mouth of the Danube, Galatz, Balaka, Asora, whence the boat is bound up this grand river to Pest and Vienna. Why I have made this long route would now occupy too much time to relate, but I hope to meet you face to face and speak of these and many more subjects. I have the strong hope that I shall not need to return to Rome for a letter received from my banker there acquainted me that the pope has listened to my remonstrance and intercession and restored dr gildini to the charge of the hospital which augurs well for the residue of my petition and the fulfilment of the distinct assurances i received before i left rome i have as far as at present practicable affected the objects of my visit to constantinople but it has opened to me work for the future so far as the christian hospitals are concerned those of the mahometans are better to my great surprise i do not see anything to hinder my embarking for the united states within three months i am likely to be at vienna two or three weeks for the government has very courteously given me beforehand the entree of the prisons and the hospitals and if i do not see much to mend i may discover something to copy for application at home 
I find traveling here alone no more difficult than I should do in any part of America. My usual experience attends me. People are civil and obliging, who are treated civilly. I am afraid I shall be obliged to write a book, a sort of narration of what I have seen during my long absence. I am the sole representative of England and America on the boat. There are, besides, people of many tribes, and persons of far distant English possessions, affording a singular association of Oriental costumes and Occidental attire. As for speech, Babel is not illy illustrated. You will wonder that I give so meager descriptions of persons and places, but if one is busy in examining, while pausing for a few days or hours in a city, there is little time for putting on paper in an interesting manner details worth sending so far. I have resisted the very great temptation of going to Palestine, which I desired more than anything besides, because I could not afford the expense, though only twelve days distant from Jerusalem. All my life I have wished to visit the holy city and the sacred places of Syria. As yet, I have confined my journeys to those places where hospitals or the want of them have called me. I trust my observations may be applied to some good uses. The impression of the loss of the Arctic is painfully fresh in my recollection. I do not fear at sea, but I never for an hour forget the vicinity or the presence of danger, and in the event of accident, the almost certain loss of life. To be ready is the lesson we should learn, so that if the call be heard on the sea or the land, by day or by night, we may be glad to go home where our limited capacities may more fully expand and immortality perfect what time has rightly planted. Little more is left to record than the bare fact that, after completing her examination of the hospitals of Austria, and while in Vienna, pressing the subject of the promised new asylum in Dalmatia, on the eastern coast of the Adriatic, Miss Dix visited successively Russia, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Holland, Belgium, and a part of Germany, returning by way of France to England. Day by day she patiently explored the asylums, prisons, and poorhouses of every place in which she set her foot glad to her heart's core when she found anything to commend and learn a lesson from, and patiently striving wherever she struck the traces of ignorance, neglect, or wrong, to right the evil by direct appeal to the highest authorities, and by the distribution of books and reports, embodying clear information as to the best methods of hospital or prison construction and modes of treatment how much she thus affected 
in the way of correcting abuses and stimulating the minds of earnest workers for humanity will be known only when the secrets of all hearts are revealed. Of the strength, however, of the impression produced by this quiet, sweet-voiced, yet strangely authoritative woman who had come from a land thousands of miles across the sea, and whose unerring eye and immense experience enabled her at a glance to see just where to praise and where mercifully to blame, something may perhaps be judged from a single chance instance revealing the memory she left behind her in Prague, Bohemia. Ten years after her return to America, there was sent her a large box of highly polished wood, inlaid with the metallic inscription on the top to Miss D. L. D. from the American Club of Bohemian Ladies. The club consisted of ladies interested in the condition and elevation of the women of Bohemia, of the poorer classes, or wherever a good deed can help a human being. Inside the box were a brief biography of Miss Dix in the Bohemian language, translations of Bohemian poems by Professor Radislaw of Christ's College, Cambridge, England, an illustrated quarto of Bohemian national songs, an album of views of historical interest, and another of photographs of distinguished Bohemian women, statesmen, soldiers, etc., the last bearing an inscription on ivory. To Miss D. L. Dix, this album is dedicated as a token of the affection and admiration of the Bohemian Ladies' American Club, Prague, 1868. One sure result of these arduous journeys and patient explorations lay in the fact that now Miss Dix had put herself abreast with the worst and the best Europe had to show on the subject that engrossed her mind and had come into direct personal contact with the ablest authorities on insanity in their respective countries that she was often cheered as well as depressed by what she saw is clear from the only additional note in her own handwriting that still remains Quote, in russia i saw much to approve and appreciate as for the insane in the hospitals in St. Petersburg and at Moscow, I really had nothing to ask. Every comfort and all needed care were possessed, and much recreation secured. Very little restraint was used. Considering I do not speak the language, I get on wonderfully well and see all that time allows." End quote. Thus, then, was completed this long and detailed circumnavigation of charity, alike in its motive and in the fidelity with which it was executed, how literally it recalls the often quoted but never hackneyed words of the tribute of Edmund Burke to Howard the Philanthropist, quote, He has visited all Europe, not to survey the sumptuousness of palaces or the stateliness of temples, 
not to make accurate measurements of the remains of ancient grandeur, not to form a scale of the curiosity of modern art, not to collect medals or collate manuscripts, but to dive into the depths of dungeons, to plunge into the infection of hospitals, to survey the mansions of sorrow and pain, to take the gauge and dimensions of misery, depression, and contempt, to remember the forgotten, to attend to the neglected, to visit the forsaken, and to compare and collate the distresses of all men in all countries. His plan is original, and it is as full of genius as it is of humanity. It was a voyage of discovery, a circumnavigation of charity. End, quote. End of chapter 25